This week on Reliving the Extreme, we are covering the episode of ECW from November the 14th, 1995. I'm Nate Maxson, your host, along with my brother Aaron. Chad is not with us this Hello. week. Um, but we are starting kind of on a somber note, because as we start recording this episode this week, um, the passing of personally and anybody that has listened to any of our other shows or this show or our We Can't Wrestle podcast Hall of Fame or anything knows that I am very steadfast in this. To me, one of the five greatest professional wrestlers to ever walk the face of the earth. And it's Terry Funk. We lost Terry Funk today, August 23rd, 2023, at the age of 79. And you know, and I know I'm going to let you talk, Aaron, but I just, um, okay. I don't generally like with with celebrities or or rest, even wrestlers i don't generally get emotional you know i'll be like oh that's that sucks that that person passed away or whatever i feel bad for their family and everything but um when when i saw that that terry passed away today i got a tear in my eye um and i like i said i don't generally get like that that I don't get that feeling. I get a somber feeling, a rest in peace, you know, where it's too bad that that guy passed away or whatever, but very rarely does it hit me. It hit me with Eddie Guerrero. It hit me with, obviously with Owen um, and a few others, but with Terry, definitely you feel a loss, you know? Um, Non-wrestling wise. And I get what you're saying. Like when, how do I say it? Like, when Michael Jackson died, I was like, oh, that sucks, you know? And I'm not even talking about, like, the person that he was. I was just, like, his contributions to right. the music world or everything. I was like, oh, man, that sucks. When Prince died, I was like, god damn it. Like, I was I was personally upset. Mm-hmm. You know? I was like, fuck. Um, and you know this, and, it, like, a lot of times when somebody dies, like, people come out of the woodwork and you're like, yeah, I don't know if maybe that person was a real fan of them. They're just saying it cause they're dead or whatever, you know? But like when I say this name, you're no, you're, you're going to know I'm legit. Cause you've known me forever and you know how big of a fan I was of him. Like when Norm died, I was super fucking upset. Cause I'm like, this mm-hmm. is the, he's the, he was the funniest dude on the fucking planet in my opinion. Right. You know? And I felt the same way today when, I saw something. I can't even remember what site it was on, but I saw something that was like, "Oh, Terry Funk." And I'm like, yeah, "I don't know," you know, because there's been people that have have thought to have passed away, but they were just sick. Like that happened to Tom Petty. Like Tom Petty, right. they said he was dead before he was dead, you know. Mm-hmm. And then he hang he hung on for a little. Bit. David, um, just different people. So I was like, "Yeah, I'm not gonna believe it." But when I saw like Mick and Flair posting like twitters about it and shit i'm like god damn it terry's dead and and i stopped i was watching something and i just stopped watching it and i was just like jesus christ it's like the fucking man's like there there's i know flair and hogan are still around but it's like there's nobody there's nobody left you know what i mean um because terry was before those two Probably, like you said, well, um, yeah, I would say I uh, Dory's still alive, but and and you know, I mean, just thinking back to just the legendary figures, 
And I'm I'm not going all the way back. Obviously, I'm not going even all the way back to when Terry or Dory started. But you're right, Hogan Flair, uh, Jerry Lawler's still with us, Bret Hart. But there's just yeah. not, you know, a lot of those legendary figures from for us as fans. You know, it's it times are creeping up and, on you. And Terry was even before those guys, you know. Yeah, and like, that's what I was saying. I was left. just I was just thinking of big names that, and actually. Um, the oldest living I'm talking professional about guys that... sorry. I was just gonna say the oldest living professional wrestler, Abe Jacobs, actually died today as well at the age of ninety-five. Yeah, who do you ever beat? <laughs> but sorry. Um but and God rest that guy too. But I'm just saying there's nobody left that's like bridged that gap, you know? Like there was Harley. Harley could be the guy that was like you know, the guy in the locker room that could teach this guy and teach that guy and be the guy before them that still understands that wrestling's evolving. That's something that Terry Funk, he gets the respect for it, and, and people have talked about it, so I'm not going to say, oh, he doesn't get his just due with it, but it should be brought up, is he wasn't like a fucking old-timer, like a Vern Gagne where Bruno San Martino, I know they even go back further than him. That was like, ah, this new shit sucks. They're not doing what they should be doing. He was a guy that was like, you know what? The shit evolves and we need to, we need to make sure there's somebody in this fucking room that can tell these kids how to do it right. And maybe and more than maybe, maybe in that role, in that role, he is maybe. He's maybe he maybe personified that role more than any wrestler ever. Yeah. You know, the pass on the wisdom. And I'm not saying there aren't other guys that have done it. But Funk and Funk, and, and, Funk literally and Funk literally did it for a whole promotion. We're watching this promotion. <laughs> That's what this show yeah, is like all this about. This podcast this podcast wouldn't be a podcast if Terry Funk wouldn't have done that. And he's also he was also a guy that realized that, you know. It's a fucking business, and it's gonna evolve past what we were doing. At, like, like when people talk about when he was, um, and I know this is an ECW podcast, but we're like when he went in his chainsaw Charlie for years, they were like, "Oh, Vince McMahon made him chainsaw Charlie and put a pantyhose on his head and made him walk around with a chainsaw and shit." And then it turns out it was his fucking idea. You know what I mean? He's like, "I can't just be Terry Funk." Some of these kids aren't going to know who the fuck I am. I'll come in as Chainsaw Charlie. You know, it's like he was the fucking man and he never fucking slowed down. And it just sucks that he's gone. And I, I, I just I, I. Some of the some of the best. Most realistic. Promos, the best, most realistic in ring style. Um, it it's hard to describe, and anybody that listens to this show is probably a fan of Terry, so I really don't have to describe it. But if there was anybody younger that's listening, it's hard to describe what I mean when I say most realistic in the ring. Um, Terry, like there would be times in the ring where Terry, it would almost look like things were happening, happening by accident or something, but he, he, he was doing all of that on purpose. It was all, and his promos 
like you talk about somebody personifying like a madman, you know, I mean, fuck, he injures his eye in Memphis and, and because it, what would it, it, who would think, Oh, what's available. I don't, I don't have gauze on. I'm just going to say I wrap my head in fucking uh, electrical tape or whatever, because that was what was available to, to you know what I mean? Like just. Yeah, the, and, oh, sorry. And oh, you were right. talking like selling wise. Like, I know a lot of times people are like, oh, that guy knows how to work the ropes. It's like he worked the ropes um, unlike anybody I ever saw because, like, he'd fall out of the ring and, like, I don't know if I'm, I'm, I'm making enough sense with it, but, like, he'd get hit and he'd, like, grab, like, the middle rope and flip and do this and do that and everything. Like, he staggered. That's what I want to say, and it might not make any sense, but he would stagger better than anybody else. Yes, and and most people would go for the dramatic. You know, they get popped and they go outside the ring, so they go up and over the top. How many times do you see Terry just fall through the middle of the ropes? You know, he didn't he didn't feel I mean, not saying that he never went over the top, but in his brain, which makes total sense, why would I every time I get I get punched out of the ring or tossed out of the ring or whatever, would I go over the top rope why every once in a while wouldn't my body just flop between two you know through the second and third rope or whatever and he would do that and and you know he was grabbing it but he he made it look like he was barely grabbing that rope and he was just fucking great and his promos are fantastic and like like later on they got more vulgar or whatever but he just your mother's a whore. We're going to like that type. He of does shit. some of that shit on the show. We're going to review today. Yeah. It's like, he was just so fucking good. And there's not enough you can say about him. And, um, like I told you before we started, I wanted to kind of try to keep it ECW. Cause we're talking about ECW. Cause if you want to talk about Terry mm-hmm. Funk's career, it'd be a fucking four hour show. Yeah. But I limited it to five angles or, segments or matches whatever you want to call it of his ecw career and we can either talk about him before or after this show it's up to you oh no we can go ahead and get it out of the way now that's fine it, well, it's not going to take long to talk right. about this tv show anyway all right um and they're not in any particular order because everything he did was great um but funk in a box is fantastic it's it's not only one of my favorite Terry Funk things ever. It's one of my favorite wrestling angles. I love that shit. Yeah. Him going, it's Sandman going into the box, and then it turns out Terry's there, and it's like the big reveal under the blanket, and that fucking crowd loses their mind. It it it, it was a fucking super well orchestrated angle. And, they, and to his credit, the ECW crowd, the ECW, you you talked about them going wild. No matter how many times he did it, to his credit, the ECW arena crowd never got tired of seeing Terry come back. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was, you know, if it would have been you know, anybody, would... if it would have been anybody else that came back yeah, to the yeah, ECW whatever. arena as he did, they'd have been like, "Ah, it's him again." But every time Funk came back, well, what he would do great and shows that he was a true professional was 
like he would come back and be a face or whatever. But when he would come back and it was going to be a heel angle, he was super great. And I know the ECW crowd is the biggest crowd. It's like, okay, we're going to go along with the show, you know? But he was great at the fans would see him and they'd lose their goddamn minds. And be like, oh shit, Terry's back. And then like 27 seconds later, they'd be like, oh, like if it was a heel, Terry Funk's back. They'd pop for him and then he'd turn him right away. Yep. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah, he's back. And then he's like, you're a bunch of whores. And like, oh boo. Like, that's what he was really good at. Um, the next thing, and we've talked about it on the show, obviously, was when um, it was him, Shane, and Sapu. Like, if you wouldn't have had that, like, I know we talk about Terry um, is the reason ECW got on the map or whatever, but Terry, Sabu, and Shane is the thing that it was the angle that got him talked about. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if it would have been like Sabu, Shane, and some other guy, probably wouldn't have worked. But Terry being in it was like the main ingredient. And on top of that, that triple threat. Just to just to add to that also, just because I, while I'm thinking about it, um, and I I know we're going through your moments, but it made me think of one too, of one that we've already watched in doing the show. Um the uh the stuff with Terry and, and Shane in that hotel, you know, at that you yeah, know, right the, out of the triple threat, you know? Yeah. It's great shit. And then I, I love his feud with Raven. At, like we're way, way before that. But like the whole shit where like Raven's like, You reminded me of my dad and I hate my dad. You know? Mm-hmm. Like you couldn't have done that with anybody but Terry. Um, and then just a match, it, it, and there there's build up to it or whatever, but that fucking Sabu Terry Funk barbed wire match. You want to show somebody that's like, oh, wrestling's fake. Be like, okay, well, watch this. Watch this. <laughs> watch this. Tell me those guys aren't like I know that I know they know who's gonna win or whatever, but tell tell me this is fake. Mm-hmm. And what those two did, what those two did, and this is the difference between, and we've talked about it before on the show, but this is the difference between uh, professionals and just two fat guys in a barn slapping each other with, with uh, light tubes. Yeah. What what Funk and Sabu did, or what what a Mick Foley did, was completely different. It was not garbage wrestling because. And and anybody with half a fucking brain can watch Terry Funk and Sabu in a barbed wire match and then watch something at a goddamn Ian Rotten show and know the difference between that and know that there is art. There is art in what Terry Funk and Sabu were doing. And um, the last thing, and it's way in the future of what we're going to talk about, is that... um, last feud that he had with Tommy where Tommy picks Jake to be his partner and Funk shows up and is pissed off because he's like, you didn't call me. 
Like, and, and Tommy's like, I thought you were retired. And he's like, Jake's a prostitute and all this shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's a great fucking angle. But that that's that's my ECW favorites of Terry. There's plenty of Terry you can talk about. But just in the realm of ECW, those are my five, my five favorite Terry things. Like, you can talk about him being pissed off that Ric Flair said that he wasn't a contender. And all that shit, you know, it's like great stories and shit, but I was just, those are my I was five just, very easy. I was just I kidding was just about kidding. I was just kidding about going on ahead and challenge you for the title. And I mean it, that that's that's one of the great angles. And you almost don't it, there's like stuff with Terry that because what I was thinking about before the show I was like, all right, I want to talk about Terry. But there's so much stuff with Terry that and this isn't I want to make a point here. He was so good that there's so much stuff you don't even need. We don't need to talk about that because that's one of it's because it's so much one of the most legendary things in wrestling history. Everything that can be said about it's been said. You know what I mean? We don't need to talk about Funk and Flair and I quit match. It's 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 classic. Everybody knows it's it's out there. And he's and he's one of those guys, too. And, and then um, you can elaborate if you want, or we can move into the show. He's one of those guys, too, that in the professional wrestling industry is one of those guys that's kind of like an Owen or a Gorilla Monsoon where nobody hates him. Yeah, they, that, you don't ever hear anybody like, say nobody anything has, bad about him. Yeah, nobody has anything bad to say about the guy. And if a professional wrestler would have, and, and I, I'd put Harley in there too, that if anybody, if anybody would try to say something bad about the guy, the other wrestlers would be like, oh, "I'm gonna kick your ass now because he's the fucking man." You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I've never heard anybody go, "Terry Funk's a piece of shit." Like it's never been said. What I will say in closing is um, my suggestion for people that have not seen any of some of the best terry funk stuff and and again i say all the time i know our our listener base is probably all going to be like yeah i've seen that but if you are a younger listener or you are somebody that's never gone back and looked at it some of the best terry funk stuff you may never have seen is crazy terry funk in memphis in the early 80s go back and watch some of that unhinged terry funk Watch Lance Russell react to him. Watch Jerry Lawler react to him. Watch the crowd react to him. Just that, that, that's, that's just person for me personally. That's some of my favorite Terry Funk shit is that early 80s fucking nutso Terry Funk in Memphis. Cause he could do, I mean, not, not that he wasn't in other territories, but I think that territory is the territory where he was like, I can be as crazy as I fucking want to be because Memphis is fucking crazy. <laughs> Anybody could do that there. There's fuck it. We're gonna go nuts over here. <laughs> but that I love, the I craziest, love that stuff. Uh, that's the craziest fucking territory that's ever existed. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> love me some Memphis. And I love Terry Funk in Memphis. So if you've never seen it, if you are a listener of this show that's never seen it, get get on YouTube after you listen to our show, of course, and go watch Terry Funk in Memphis because you're not gonna you're not gonna regret it. Give Lawler credit for that shit down there in Memphis. Be like, oh, yeah. like Jerry Jarrett, 
Jerry Jarrett, he let shit go, but Lawler was like, fuck it, let's get crazy. <laughs> let's have a Frankenstein and a mummy and fucking Terry Funk with electrical tape and yeah, and that's why that's why motor that's oil why, on his fucking head. It's like Jesus. That's Christ, why both. That's insane. why both. That's why both of them. Even though throughout the heyday or throughout the rock and wrestling era, neither one of them was really. I mean, I know Terry had that small run in '86, but neither one of them was really associated with the WWF. But that's why Terry Funk and Jerry Lawler, anytime they were in the WWF, ducked the fucking water. You know what I mean? Like. Terry Funk came in. He was like, fine, I'll, I'll fucking play up the Double Cross Ranch thing like it's a cartoon. Jerry Lawler came in and was like, fine, I'll manage a wrestling dentist. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Because it's fucking wrestling. Let's, let's, let's go crazy. Yeah. There's a reason that fucking Andy Kaufman went to Memphis. Because nobody else wanted to touch him. And, and fucking Lawler was like, hell yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah, I'll do that. Let's do this. <laughs> Is gonna get me on Letterman. Let's fucking do it. <laughs> well, um, yeah, definitely rest in peace to one of the greatest of all time, Terry Funk. Um, and uh, our condolences to his friends. And I know Chad was even a friend of his, so we'll definitely when Chad's back, we'll have we'll talk with him about Terry as well. Um, all of Terry's friends, family, our condolences to you. And truly, 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 today, the wrestling business lost a fucking legend. Yes, they did. Terry is part of this TV show we're going to discuss here today um, on Reliving the Extreme. It is the episode of ECW from November the 14th, 1995. As we uh, Next week, we'll be talking about November to Remember 1995. I think it's on the network. Um, it is. So we open up this show. Cactus Jack in the ring, cutting a promo. And when I'm, I, I mentioned it last time when Mikey won the title, that I thought it was very cool that even though Cactus's character is now a heel, he is still so happy for his buddy Mikey Whipwreck. I, th I don't know why, but I've always found that to be such an endearing, awesome little touch that they did. You know, it was like, for all the, for all as much as he's become a bastard and he hates everybody else and he hates everything about ECW, he still loves his little buddy Mikey, and that's that's cool shit, man. That's it's fun. The kid didn't do nothing wrong. <laughs> yeah, he's just a kid. Leave him alone. I, I like right. him. I like him. But yeah, yeah he's proud. He's proud of Mikey for being champion, but then he immediately heals on the people. Um. He's about to have a match with Tommy Dreamer. He tells the fans to get ready for a boring match. <laughs> yeah, he's basically saying that the that he was super proud that Mikey won the belt, and then the fans ruined his night. So now he's going to ruin theirs and have the absolute most boring match that he can have with Tommy. And that's that. He brings up that... Um, he mentions that he'd rather go back to TBS, but now he's serving a higher purpose, and it is to um, degrade and humiliate ECW fans and Tommy Dreamer. I think, if I remember correctly, even just to stick it to him even more, he's like, I'd like to go work at TBS and watch movies for guys who like movies. <laughs> yeah. 
I thought that was a nice little touch. Um, and then I also put down here in my commentary because we have again it's Terry, it's Terry, Terry Dreamer, Tommy Dreamer with Terry Funk versus Cactus Jack. But I put down <laughs> and I'll explain, folks, but I wrote down the floating head of Tommy Dreamer narrates things as we go throughout this match because Tommy's wearing a like he's I, wearing a <laughs> go ahead, Aaron. I wrote Nag. I wrote Nag. I wrote down Do Rag Dreamer. <laughs> to me, it was like it was like floating head Tommy Dreamer because there was a black background. Hey, he's got a, he's got a, he had on a black do rag and a black shirt. <laughs> And black pants, and it just looks like his stupid fucking face. <laughs> his big melon face out there, or whatever, stop sign face, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I would have rather seen the fucking match than have Tommy do a fucking, like, diatribe about what the fuck's going on. It was just bad. Yeah, and like I said, the match is Tommy Dreamer, Terry Funk's out there in Dreamer's Corner versus Cactus Jack. Um, and of course, Cactus is is like he promised the crowd, giving the crowd a what he calls a boring match. He's trying to keep the match on the ground, have like a, a, a sorry, Greco-Roman wrestling match with Dreamer, which um, is mainly side headlocks for Mick. Yeah, yeah. You can tell, like, even though even though he probably enjoyed doing this. Because he was getting the heat. You can also tell as you're watching him that it was probably maddening for him <laughs> to have to slow down like that. Yeah. But Raven winds up out at ringside with a chair. Um and <clears throat> essentially and, and you can you can put in any notes that you have also, but essentially what I put here and then I'll stop is Cactus does eventually start brawling in this match. But then he hits Tommy and pretends like he's like dislocated his knuckle or something. And he tells he tells the uh the referee that he's he's injured and it should be a no contest. Yeah, he just repeatedly punches him. Um and um there's a story in Mick's book, and I think this is the match where he said learned because Harley did it to him in WCW, he learned a trick from Harley where Harley was able to punch a guy with a knuckle, like right on their brow and produce blood. Like I can bust you hard way by popping you. You know, doesn't he, am I wrong? Or does he say in his book that there was a time though, where Harley wasn't getting it. So he was just like, <laughs> Please stop. No, no, th this is this is this. Oh, okay. Okay. I got the story. This, this is then. him. This is him trying to do that trick on Tommy. And Tommy looked up at him and said, Cactus, can you please stop punching me in the head? <laughs> it's like it's not working, man. Just stop. <laughs> Could you please stop punching me in the head? Because that's how Tommy, like, that's the way they said Tommy would speak. Like, please stop punching me in the head. Like, <laughs> he was very, he was very um, polite. <laughs> and very matter of fact in his speech. Like, 
that fuck it like it's it's not an ecw story but it's one of my favorite hall of fame things is when he's when edge is talking about driving with with tommy and they wound up in those fucking mountains or whatever and there was all the fog around him and shit and tommy was like afraid of driving in fog and shit and the cops pulled him over and like took him out of the car and tommy dreamer was like i should not be driving right now (laughs) oh my god oh shit but yes, then the referee tells, essentially tells Cactus, this is ECW, get back in here. And Cactus says, well, fine, then if you're not going to make it a no contest, then count me out. Because we do have count outs in ECW. So he starts, he proceeds to try to leave. Terry Funk coaxes him back in. And this is where we talked about earlier. Terry Funk says, your mother's a whore. Your wife's a whore. And Terry even says, Dewey's. I, I think it. I, I think he said his wife was a see you next Tuesday because they they didn't bleep whore. Oh, okay. But they they bleep that. So I th- I think he said that his wife was a was the c word. So I don't know what he said about Dewey, but he definitely said Dewey was a whore or something. He even brought up Dewey. I think he Terry. I, I think he said his kids were bastards. It's fantastic. Yeah. Which... All this while being dressed. All this while being dressed like a fucking. Train conductor or whatever. <laughs> the suspenders and the big pants. Yeah, they were striking. He looked like a train conductor. All aboard, you whores! <laughs> choo well, choo, bitches! <laughs> of course, this uh, this this prompts Cactus to get back in the ring. Raven gets involved. Terry Funk's beating up Cactus Jack. Out comes fucking Stevie Richards. So, of course, now we've gone from Cactus Jack, and this is this is the brilliance, folks. Cactus Jack promising the people as a heel the most boring match ever. And here comes some ECW excitement breaking out. That's the formula, and it's good shit. Good shit. Yes, it is. Tommy's big ass was out for a minute. I was like, I don't enjoy that. I, I, I guess I, I don't know. I, was, I didn't notice that. I guess I wasn't looking at the screen at that point. Maybe I was writing a note. I don't know. Yeah, his big ass was out for a moment. I missed Tommy's big ass. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I missed it. So essentially, Raven hits. Uh, he uses the Raven uses the brass knuckles on Tommy Dreamer. And then he tells Cactus to use the chair on Tommy, and Cactus will not do so, which winds up backfiring on Cactus because Dreamer's willing to use the chair. So he uses the chair, he gets a DDT, and he gets the pinfall on Cactus Jack. Yeah. Um, sorry, I meant to mention it earlier in the match or early in, earlier in the description of the match. I know we um, kind of shit on Tommy Dreamer a little bit, during the show, but he does do some really good um, improvising in this match. Did you notice it? Um, no, I did not. There's a point where they're supposed to do a spot with the chair, but the chair legitimately gets hooked on his ankle, and he does an enziguri with the chair hooked on his ankle and just enziguris the fucking chair into Cactus's head. No shit, I missed it. Or if I if I if I missed, I don't know that I missed it, but I guess I missed that it was him covering up an accident. Yeah, like it got stuck on his ankle, and he's like, "Fuck!" And he's like trying to kick it off with his left foot, and he's just like, "Fuck it!" And he just does a, he does like a step up, like Owen and Zaguri, like on Deshaun, you know. 
fucking cracks that chair into his head. I'm like, that's a good fuck. That was a good fucking save. Um, so I'll give Tommy some credit on that. <laughs> well, and yes, you know what? It's funny, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get too deep into it. We beat Tommy up a lot just because we're not a huge we're not huge fans of his gimmick. We're not huge fans of his character and his like you say put upon Tommy and everything. At the end of the day, Tommy Dreamer's a good professional wrestler. Yeah. Later on, I'll say later on his character fleshes out. But early Tommy Dreamer is kind of annoying and Yeah, it's annoying because it's annoying because he's okay with Raven. With the Raven character, Raven's character and it's his angst and his bitterness comes off as natural. Whereas Tommy's comes off as fake. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like 97 on Tommy is super cool in my opinion. But this Tommy Dreamer, bah. Floating head Tommy Dreamer. I almost feel like he's the bad guy in this situation. He's absolutely the bad guy in this situation. No, like a fat girl. I don't want nothing to do with her. Fuck fat bitch. I'm not <laughs> gonna. Yeah, like like in and at this at the fucking summer camp, he was mean to her because she was fat, and then she shows up all hot and shit. And he's like, "Hey, come on, let's do it." Like she still has the same personality, dude. You fucking but asshole. Anyway. Um, yeah, asshole. Now How we get you a somebody for being fat, Tommy. With your titties, <laughs> your titties and your big ass. Well, now we after the uh, Dreamer uh, Cactus Jack match, we get a promo from the Dudleys. We get uh, yes, the this, this early Dudley shit is fucking nuts. You got DW Bubba Big Dick Bubba Bubba. Bubba Dudley, early fat-faced Bubba Dudley fucking cracks me up. And I know I mentioned it on the last show, but he just does. This shit, it makes me laugh every single time. He has that perfect, like, stupid look on his face with his big fat face. And his, oh, fucking, it's, it's, so face. it's so good. It's so funny. And uh, in this one, he juggles. He speaks Spanish. <laughs> it's stupid, but it's so fun. And I also think it's funny. And I know, I, you know what? To be honest with you, if I ever noticed it, I don't remember noticing it from watching watching the shows way back when I have would have watched it all the way through. Because since we started watching ECW for the purpose of this podcast, I don't watch these ECW TV shows anymore, like I used to in order or whatever. You know, I want it to be fresh when I'm watching the show. But anyway, yeah. however long ago it was that I watched some of this stuff, I absolutely, in my brain, completely forgot that Dances with Dudley is supposed to be Native American but acts like he's Mexican. Like, it's it's so ridiculous. Well, he's a Mexican and he's acting like he's Native American. But right, yeah, in my, in my notes, honestly... Because I put some like footnotes at the end. One of my notes is D.W. Dudley's fucking annoying. I don't like the guy. I'm glad he didn't fucking last. The I just I just uh, <laughs> grades on me. I can see I can see why. I can see why. Um, 
he's a little too he's trying too hard. Does that make sense? Yeah. Fucking hate him. You know, it's like I don't know. It's like it's like yeah. He's trying too hard to be like for Bubba or even, or I, even he does have a great line in, he does have a great line in this promo though. When Big Dick gets mad, he's like, Oh, I got a I got a big dick brother. He says that. I'm like, that's kind of funny. But no, what but I was gonna say is that, for like, for Bubba, for Bubba, the comedic acts as uh, the comedic aspect. You can tell with his charisma and his 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 um timing, the comedic aspect comes naturally and doesn't feel like he's trying too hard. Same with the guy that's Dudley Dudley. Same same with him. But with Dances with Dudley, it just it feels like he's trying too hard. Now I know I've said that like four times, but that was just the point I was trying to make. I, the way I can see why he annoys you because it it annoys me as well. If he's gone, I'll be happy. Well, the Dudley promo actually rolls into Pulp Fiction, and I will just mention these individual things that we are seeing on Pulp Fiction. I think with Pulp Fiction, the best thing to do, because we've gotten into it now, is for me to mention the certain things that are happening, and then we can all comment on it if we have any comments on that specific thing, because you get a lot in a little bit of time during Pulp Fiction, obviously. So Pulp Fiction... I I just write down the people's names that are on it. And then if yeah. I got like a quick note, which I do have a note about Conan, so go ahead. Well, and he he starts us off. This is our first appearance of Conan in ECW cutting a promo during Pulp Fiction, kind of explaining who he is and why he's here. Yeah, and the only note I have on it is he's talking about um, ex- trying to explain to the people who he is. And he says, when he comes out, the people go crazy, and he compares himself to Terry Funk, and that's not a good thing. No. <laughs> I, and and we'll talk about it more in the match. But I got I got a I got another I got another note on Conan later on. All right. So yes, yeah, so we have Conan. Then we get uh, Cactus Jack talking about Tommy Dreamer, Bill Alfonso screaming about Todd Gordon, Pulp Fiction. I put here. Bill Alfonso perfectly lends himself to Pulp Fiction. And the reason I say that is because Pulp Fiction is small little bites. Get them in, get them out. Yes. And you can bring that person back in a couple of little segments later as they're still ranting or whatever. But Pulp Fiction's good for the Alfonso character because, and I know the intention is for him to grate, but. It fits the Pulp Fiction thing so much because you can have like a slower promo from somebody and then all of a sudden here's Alfonso just screaming and balls to the wall and rambling and then you go back into something that's a little more laid back and then you go back to Alfonso and he brings you back up again. So I hope what I said makes sense. Yeah. He's like, get him out, get him out, get him in, get him out, guy. Then we have the Eliminators discussing or talking about the Pitbulls. Then we get the Dudleys. Back. Looks like he has to poop. Looks like he's <laughs> holding back a poop. Let me ask you this about those guys. Okay. I know Perry went on to have the better career because Cronus had his had his demons. And, and we found out later Perry did. But Perry had them later, you know? Yeah. But 
it's just those guys as a team. Who would you say was the better? I actually, I it's hard. That's a hard one. I actually, I still, honestly, I would say Perry. I would say that I like Perry better. Um, I I like John Cronus. I really do. I think I think it, at this time, before he went completely off the rails, he was really fucking good. Um, once you get into like XPW and stuff like that, you know, he just went down. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, but I I I'm still I, I'm I, still I'm I'm still if I had to pick between the two, I would still say Perry. Okay. I think if he wouldn't have been fucked up, I think Cronus would have had a bigger career. Oh yeah, most definitely. Maybe I, maybe, I think, maybe not a bigger career than Perry, but I think he would have been. I think he would have went past ECW. I agree. You know what I mean? I agree. Because, like I said, when you said which one, I it was hard to pick because I really dig them both, and I think they were a great fucking tag team. Um, but yeah, if I if I'm gonna have to pick one, we also see the Dudleys again here. Then Beulah, Public Enemies walking down the road, talking Public Enemy stuff. You know what's funny about that one? Did you pick up what they were talking about? No, I really, I really wasn't paying great attention. They're still trying to figure out what's going on with their title match at the fucking show. <laughs> like they're like, so we have to like win this match to get a shot at this belt. And then you get a shot at that belt. They're like, I don't know what's going on. Go. Like, they're still just, confused. Yeah, we're just going to show up and fight, Johnny. <laughs> I guess. And then we see Taz and the and Pitbulls. Some... Oh, go ahead, Aaron. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, I'm just saying. Um, before that, they showed us they 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 showed us the ladies. They're like, oh, we got to put Franny on there and get woman on there and. They made sure to show you that, like, none of them say anything. They're yeah. Like, we, we better make sure we we show the chicks, you know. Sure. Yeah, show the titas. It's an ass. Yeah. And then after that, um, Taz and the Pitbulls are in the back with a uh, a bloody Tommy Dreamer. Tommy's all bandaged up, gauzed up, and pretty much Taz just tells us to get the hell out, tells the cameraman to get the hell out of there. Um. We see a glimpse of Steve Austin, which is good because you want to remind people Steve Austin's still around. <laughs> that's yeah. definitely that's definitely a guy. No matter no matter even if you have something that's you haven't recorded anything with him this week, you want to show something to show that you want to remind people Steve Austin's still in the in the uh, promotion. He was. And then a, there, oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was just gonna say he was. Um the first guy that as me as a wrestling fan because i know there were guys before it you know mm -hmm. but just me being the age that i was that he was the guy that there wasn't really internet yet you know like like later like a couple of years from now you get like the internet darlings or whatever but steve's the first guy that i remember being a wrestling fan going watching him on WCW and shit being like, this dude should be bigger than what he is. You know what I mean? Like, like when he showed up in WWF, I was like super fucking stoked. I'm like, hell yeah. It's fucking Steve. And watching WCW, he was the guy that I'm like, why is he fucking jobbing to 
fucking Jim Duggan. Like, what the f- like b- before him, like everything was just like, okay, this happens or whatever. Like, he's the first guy that I remember me and my buddies at school being like, Steve Austin is a fucking man. <laughs> Does yes. that make sense? And, yeah. And I mean, I think obviously we know now hindsight 2020. I agree with you because he was always he was always one of those guys for me too. But and we know now hindsight being 2020, it was all politics. He was a big victim of politics in WCW, and he was almost a victim right. of fucking politics in the WWF. You know, if if yeah. Jim Ross wouldn't have convinced Vince McMahon to let Steve Austin just be Steve Austin instead of this ringmaster fellow. He may not have even panned out there, but luckily, luckily, it's one of those things where you look back and you go, man, thank God WCW was breathing down his neck, breathing down Vince's neck. Like, like I look at Steve the way, like in like the early 90s, that like late 80s wrestling fans, and this could be completely off kilt, would have looked at... um Midnight Express, like they were like that. Like these guys are supposed to be the bad guys. And after Crockett was done, or whatever, like, or even like, does that make sense? What I'm saying, like, these are supposed to be the guys that nobody gives a shit about them. Whatever, we're gonna put them out there with the dynamic dudes and this, that, and everything. And everybody's right. like, this fucking Midnight Express is the shit. <laughs> you should put your whole goddamn promotion behind them, and you'd be fucking gangbusters. You know what I mean? Like when the midnight's music would hit, the dun, 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 that fucking crowd would lose their goddamn minds, and nobody thought anything about him. And that's how I think about Steve. But go ahead, sorry. No, that's all right. I totally agree. Um, it, like I said, it is, it is, it is one of those things where you look back and you realize it just the stars aligning was very important because like I was, like I was saying, if Vince wouldn't have been up against it by WCW, he wouldn't have taken chances on people like Austin Foley. You know what I mean? He wouldn't have, he, yeah. I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying they wouldn't have made it. I'm not necessarily saying they wouldn't have their talent might've got him through, but he wouldn't have let Steve become stone cold. No way. No fucking way if he wasn't up against it. If he yeah. wasn't really, if he wasn't like, fuck it, let's throw anything we can against the wall and see what sticks. So it's just that, it's, it's that time. time. And it's one of the only times where I'm like, where I believe in Trousseau. Because I know Jim Ross was like the biggest proponent of Steve Austin. But I think Vince Rousseau. I don't want to say it like I know I believe Vince Rousseau when he says that he saw money in Austin too. Mm-hmm. Like I believe that. And Jim wasn't writing the show. Right. You know what I mean? He was just but um there's a raw that Rousseau said that he wrote um part of the show where it just said Steve Austin on headset because Steve Austin headset and just said, Steve's going to go out there and he's going to be on headset. And he's going to, he's going to talk during a match. And it was like, 
um, Lawler and Vince at the table and Steve Austin was out there and it was like one of the first times that Steve was able to just fucking talk and not have any manager or filter or I'll say this and that. It was just Steve talking and Russo says it was like one of the first times that Vince McMahon was like, hmm, this, good, this fucking guy can talk. Right. You know, because like all all Vince knew of him was that he was a fucking technician, and that's why Vince made him the fucking ringmaster. Because all he knows is like, oh, this guy can work. But anyway, like, like we're getting into the weeds. Sorry. So at the end of Pulp Fiction, we get a promo from Raven, and I don't. I actually I just wrote down Raven promo. I don't have any notes on the promo itself. I don't either. I put him. I lumped him in with Pulp Fiction. I thought it was just part of that. It was. It wasn't even really a Raven like exclusive to the show promo. It was like a montage of his promos about Tommy. So we kind of wrapped the show up with our main event, I guess you'd call it. It is a tag team match: Conan and Rey Mysterio versus Psychosis and La Parka. And this is Conan and La Parka's first appearance in ECW, at least on television. Um. Which I forgot LaParka even was on, on ECW. As did I. And also I wrote down here, looking thin, LaParka. Because usually, like, you always think of LaParka as the big luchador. Like, in the WCW days, yeah. he was the one that was, he was the one that was, like, tall and husky. <laughs> he was, like, the big luchador. And he's, like, a pretty thin and svelte here during this matchup. Yeah, and... um this isn't a note, but here in America, we can watch wrestlers and they're like charismatic or whatever. And we know they're funny. It's like, oh, it's probably a funny guy in real life. You know, like Dwayne Johnson in real life. He's, he's probably a funny dude. Right. You know what I mean? Or Owen Hart when he was alive, funny dude. Um, now I'm trying to think of a wrestler that you could probably say, oh, this guy's probably funny in real life. Um, the guy with the talk show that I think is really good. Um, like Grayson Waller, you know, I bet like behind the scenes and just hanging out with the dude, probably funny. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason, there's a reason that somebody in WWE said we need to give this guy a talk show. You know what I mean? He's a funny, charismatic guy. What I'm getting at with LaParka is obviously he didn't speak English. But just with like the struts and dancing to Thriller and and doing all the goofy shit he does, I bet that dude like in Mexican wrestling, like he's probably like the cut up of the locker room. I, bet. I was about to say Silver King's like, oh, La Parka's a fucking cut up man. <laughs> I bet La Parka was like a funny dude, and uh, not another... was he's still alive. And another one of the things that uh, people that listen to uh, our other shows that we talk about wrestling will also know, and Aaron knows, LaParka, one of my favorite luchadors of all time. One of the best. um, Fantastic worker. This match is really good. Really good. It is. Like, like I don't have a lot of notes on it, which means that I think it's a really good match. Um, I have a, like, the only few notes I have is and I know this is going to be a duh, everybody knows it note, but um, Rey Mysterio 
is a once in a lifetime performance. Like when I say that, I don't mean like, oh, I can compare Ray to this guy now. There's nobody that I compare Ray Mysterio to. Right. Like he's fucking insane. Like I know that that Mystico or whatever people brought him up or whatever, but that dude botched so much shit. Like I've never like just a couple times, but how many times have you ever seen Ray botch anything? Right. Yeah. And he's and he and I've never seen anybody be able to do what the fuck he does. There's a point, and and it's it it's it's a it's a nothing spot but when i watched it i was like it's beautiful is that spot where he was in this match going in and out of the turnbuckle you know what i'm talking about oh yeah it's like there's nobody that um i don't want to say it, is crisper than fucking Rey mysterio absolutely yes and from such a young age yeah it's fucking, it's it's stupid how fucking talented he is, and I know he's bigger now, like he's bulkier now or whatever, but I don't think the dude's ever slowed down. No. That's the other thing. It's like, it's you know, fucking nuts. This is um, this is totally off base, and I mean we're almost done anyway, so it's not going to take up too much time. But you just talked about that Grayson Waller dude. Of the modern, of the modern, you know, younger wrestlers being a super talent, which I think he is. I think he's he's going to be a, he's going to be a future huge star in the business. Talking about Ray, do you know who's a guy that I don't get why anybody is high on him? Is that Santos Escobar guy? I am not a fan of that dude. I don't know I what don't it know is about, about him. him. I don't, I don't um, know. I don't know enough about him to say yay or nay. I've just never seen it, and and I'm not. I, he does. And we like I always like we always say about wrestlers, they do shit you and I can't do. I'm not saying I, I will never say, you know, oh, he fucking sucks. I don't know. It's not that's not what I'm saying. I just don't see why. Why whoever has pegged him at being a highland five years from now, I might be proven wrong and say, God damn, that Santos Escobar's fired up. <laughs> but right now, I just don't know. I don't know. I just don't see it. But anyway, um, Again, this match. I just, been... I just watched. Sorry, Go I just ahead. watched the last SmackDown, and you know me, I'm not like a huge um, modern product guy. But I watched that last SmackDown, and it's like there's a lot of good fucking dudes on that SmackDown run. Like that Grayson Waller's great. Fucking L- obviously, La Knight, um, Austin Theory. There's a ton of great people. There, there's a lot of good fucking talent on that roster right now. And honestly, do you know what my favorite um, current storyline is? And it's, it's it's not even the bloodline thing. The bloodline thing's cool. But you know what I think the coolest storyline in wrestling right now is? It's fucking uh, Gunther and Chad Gable. That's so funny that you said that. That's a wrestling storyline. Yes, it's also my favorite, and and I think I've mentioned this before. Um, of all the of all the current younger talent on that roster, 
I've put I've constantly put Chad Gable over. That dude's a fucking star. Um yeah, and, and, and it's just a and without Sorry, without 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 Vince in charge of creative, the greatest thing is his height's not going to hold him back. Because that's and that that would be like, that would be the only thing I could see Vince McMahon deter you know deterring against him is his height. But he's a he's got he's I'm not saying he's as good as Kurt Angle, okay? But he's the closest thing to Kurt Angle I've seen since Kurt Angle. If that makes sense, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, and just that angle is just a fucking wrestling angle. And I mean, and I know Gunter, that sounds Gunter, stupid Gunter, because we're Gunter, wrestling. Gunter's literally my favorite wrestler on the planet right now. So yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm with I, you. It's gold. I, I know it sounds. I know it sounds stupid to say, oh, they're doing a wrestling angle on wrestling, but it's a fucking wrestling angle, mm-hmm. and it's fucking great. It, you don't have to overthink it. It's two guys that are competing for wins and like Gunther being mad that he lost. Like I didn't get pinned. I just lost a fucking match and I'm pissed off. And that guy and Chad Gable going, I'm the first guy that fucking beat you in a year and a half. I didn't pin you, but I still fucking beat you. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it like back in the day, like three years ago, somebody would have got counted out. People have been like, whatever. But it, it, it's a great fucking angle. Sorry. Didn't mean to go off into a cornfield or whatever, but that's just what I think. I think it's I think it's the best thing in wrestling right now. Well, like we said, this match is fantastic. Conan and Ray wind up winning the match by count out, which is it's kind of funny because the ECW crowd's totally into it. Until the finish, and then they get they give them the bullshit chant <laughs> for the count out finish. But the match itself, yeah, was but fantastic. it was it was an example, a good example of, and a random example of Paul doing a TV angle, not caring about what the crowd thought, you know, because the story of the match was that Conan and Ray had beat these guys down so bad that they couldn't get back in the ring. And Joey puts it over when they show that shot of, of uh, psychosis bleeding through his mask. And he's like, oh, my God, did you see psychosis's face? You know, mm-hmm. it, it, it wasn't it. It wasn't a finish for the crowd. It was a finish for the show. Yes, if that makes sense. And um, the only other note I have other than Ray being a once in a lifetime talent is that one of my one of my least favorite things that wrestling fans will say is like, "Oh, that dude sucks," but he was great in Japan, you know. Or, "Oh, you should have seen like like with the like we talk about all the time the bushwhacker idea or the bushwhacker sentiment." You know, it's like, right. "Oh, they were great till they got to the WWF." It's like, well, they were still great there, too, and they made a lot of money or whatever. Um, Conan's the opposite of that. Like, he's the one guy I'll say that when he got to the U.S., and he wrestled down. Like, I know he fucked up his knee or whatever, but it's like Conan was so much better, like, as a worker before he came here. Like, like, charisma-wise, 
great. You know what I mean? Like he's right. a funny dude, mm-hmm. but just as a worker, like in this match, he fucking held his own. And you watch his shit from Mexico, and he was fucking great. And then he got here, and it was just like he just was like, eh, I'll dumb it down now. Right. I'm not gonna try that hard. I don't need to. I'll get lazy now. I think Conan got lazy. Well, we wrapped the CCW show up with a video getting us hyped up for November to Remember, which is the show we will be reviewing next week here on Reliving the Extreme. Um, Overall, I gave this show, if I'm giving it out of five, I gave it a three and a half. It was decent. The shit with Tommy and, and Cactus was effective, other than Tommy's floating head. Pulp Fiction was good in, in you know, building up November to remember and everything that's going on, reminding you of all the angles. And, of course, the, uh, the Lucha match was fucking fantastic. So I think this was a good episode of ECW. Especially, yeah, especially, especially with it being because we talk so much on the show about we're heading into the big event and they're out of shit to show us on TV, you know. So we kind of before the big event we get kind of a, a fucking uh, popcorn fart of a show. This time around, I didn't think that was the case. I think they filled the forty-five minutes very well. I did. I gave it a B minus. I enjoyed the show. There wasn't any point in the show where I was just like, what are the, what are we fucking watching? So that is going to be it for this week's edition of reliving the extreme next week. Like I said, we will be reviewing November to remember 1995. Aaron, any parting words for our listeners? this week? Um, just keep listening to this show. Keep on the lookout for, um, um, when you're going to get some, we can't wrestle podcasts and, um, Thanks for listening, guys, and rate and review us. Like that's that that's the way to get a show um, to grow. Like it's not through advertising, it's not through whatever, it's through word of mouth, it's through ratings, it's through um hey man, did you listen to this show? It's fucking funny, or it's a good show. That's the way to do it. And um the other other thing I'll say, and we talked about them at the beginning of it, of is that the show does have traction, it does have listeners, it does have ratings, and we wouldn't have Reliving the Extreme without ECW, and we wouldn't have ECW without Terry Funk. So wholeheartedly agree. Wholeheartedly agree. What rest in peace to the Funker. That being said, we're gonna sign off this week. Join us. Patreon.com backslash reliving the extreme for bonus content, unedited episodes of the show, etc. etc. I talk about it ad nauseum. And we will see you next week. Everybody, yeah, if you for guys, no- if you guys, if you if you guys put more fucking dollars in Nate's pocket, we can do more fucking Patreon shit. We'll talk about some stupid shit. I don't give a fuck. We'll talk about anything on patreon just make that worth his while because he needs the money i'm not saying that <laughs> i'm kidding he doesn't need the money but what i'm saying i'm sorry nate he doesn't need the money what i'm saying is guys um we want to give you more content but we need it to be i don't want to say it you can cut this out
just end it where you left. <laughs> That's right. We'll see you next week, everybody, for November to remember 1995. Have a great week, everyone.